Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. You can travel from Paris to Marseille, across the Mediterranean toward Oran, then by train or auto or foot, across the rim of Africa to Movies to Watch podcast with Nadim and Mita. You won't have to wait and wait, wait and wait. That's nice. There you go. They, they did that in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I also appreciate how they had a visual and not just a scroll to read. Yeah, it, there was a map. There was a map. There was a whole like accompanying visual with the voiceover. It wasn't just a scroll. I went from Paris to Marseille. Yeah. Towards the Iran. I didn't even know what the Iran was. Yeah, I, did. <laughs> I always forget Iran is a, a thing. We traveled across the rim of Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and there you go. And how here we are. Hi! How's it going? I'm living and breathing today. Today? I brought Excellent. it back. You brought it back just for today. <laughs> yeah. For now at least. I But now I feel like that's baseline for me. Okay. Living and breathing because I did it so often in 2020. Now yeah. it's just and like so that's it's like the ups and downs, line. variations yeah. on living and breathing. Exactly. Mita. Nadim. Drama! <laughs> like we serious drama though. Serious drama that we didn't talk about last week and I'm disappointed. And has just gotten worse actually. It's gotten so much better. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so happy that we didn't talk about it because it seems that since Venice... It's just gotten so much more interesting. Yes. And people are probably confused about like what. Yes. There's no drama between Nadim and I yet. No, not. Yeah. And neither of us have been to Venice. But this is <laughs> Mita's realm. So I'm going to let her take over. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So <clears throat> there is a film, guys, called Don't Worry, Darlings, that is coming out this month, actually. It comes yeah. out this month. Yes. And I was very excited for this movie. It is being directed by Olivia Wilde, who direct- her first directorial debut was Booksmart. Um, and so this was her second film, and everyone was really excited to see what she would do. And it stars my favorite person in the whole world, Florence Pugh, and also stars Harry Styles for whatever reason, and Chris Pine, and Gemma Chan, and Nick Kroll is in it as well, yeah. and Olivia Wilde. And Olivia Wilde herself, yeah. Yes. Anyways, um, there was a lot of hype for this movie. However, months ago, there were rumors on the internet that, well, okay, wait, I should start first with Harry and Olivia. So... Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis announced... You have 10 minutes, so keep that in mind. Okay, I'll get there. Okay, (laughs) Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis, people love them. I never got it, but anyways, (laughs) they announced they were divorcing, and then it was revealed that she was dating Harry Styles, and this happened because Harry Styles took over Shia LaBeouf's role in Don't Worry, Darlings. That was the rumor on set for a while. And then there also was a rumor that because she was dating Harry Styles, she was very distracted from her work on Don't Worry Darlings and wasn't doing the best job um, on set and wasn't very professional. And Florence Pugh was like really upset about it and was kind of like taking control on set more than Olivia Wilde was. So those were rumors like months ago. Now trickle into like this summer, Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles are starting to promote Don't Worry Darlings like through Instagram posts and things like that. And Florence Pugh is silent and the internet notices and the internet is like, why isn't Florence talking about this? It seems like she's not really into this. What's going on here? 
And, you know, as publicity is growing, Olivia Wilde does some interviews with different um, magazines. And in one of them, she claims that she had fired Shia LaBeouf because she has a no assholes rule on her set. And she felt like he was being an asshole and she fired him. Shia LaBeouf take no bullshit from nobody and came back and was like, actually, Olivia, you did not fire me. I left because we did not have time for rehearsals. And he came in with the receipts. He came in with um, text messages sent between him and Olivia and a video of Olivia Wilde begging him to stay on set and using the terms. I think this will give perspective to Miss Flo, Florence Pugh about her behavior and basically insinuating that like this was Florence Hughes fault that she didn't want to work with Shia LaBeouf. And also hmm. implying in that same video that Florence needed rehearsal. Yes. From Olivia. Fine. Shia wants it, but Olivia implying that would you come back if she commits to the role, if she commits like essentially saying, yeah, exactly. Now, I don't know if you saw recently, more text messages were revealed between Florence Pugh and Shia LaBeouf, where it's like Florence Pugh was dealing with a personal matter, like somebody in her her family friend's realm passed away. And so that's why she wasn't able to come to rehearsals, because she was dealing with that. And she was talking with Shia about things, but they only really got to meet during FaceTime. They didn't get to work together. Mm -hmm. And then Shia decided that that wasn't how he wanted to approach the project. So that's why he left the project. He was not fired. Anyways, now it's Venice Film Festival and the movie is premiering there. And so the internet- already premiered. Right. But I'm like getting people up to today. (laughs) God. Anyways. (laughs) Right. So everyone's like, is Florence Pugh going to go to this film premiere? Like what's going to happen here? And it was kind of unknown because she's also filming Dune 2. And so people thought, oh, maybe she's filming Dune so she can't get away from set. So she probably won't show up. Cut to... Press she conference. is, by the way, in Europe filming Dune 2. Yeah, so it's not like she has to travel that far. Yeah. Yes. Um, cut to press conference day for Don't Worry Darling. She doesn't show up for the press conference. However, at the time that the conference is occurring and they, they the stars of the film are giving their interviews, Florence Pugh lands in Venice, is wearing like the greatest Valentino outfit ever and brings her grandma with her and is just strutting around Venice being like, I'm here now, I'm here for the premiere. But it was clear that she would not be doing press. Like her people did make a PR that, she would not be doing any press for the movie. But it coincided at the exact same time. Like, But it wasn't a surprise that she wasn't at the press conference. Anyways, it's a bold move and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and then she did show up to the premiere of the film. However, no pictures with Olivia, like barely looked at each other. And then now apparently Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde are on the fritz because if you watch all the like videos from the premiere they're not like interacting with each other at all it looks like harry styles is like actively ignoring her and then on top of that i don't know why but apparently harry styles spat in chris pine's lap allegedly (laughs) i it kind of looks like he did it does look like he did okay anyways we can talk about it are you done yeah i'm done recapping (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot and here's Here's, I, give me your hot take on it, and then I'll give you my hot take. This is such a hot mess for a movie that I was excited about, but then once I saw the first trailer, I was not as excited because I felt like it 
it feels like it's a lot of movie for someone to take on with their second film. And also, I just don't know if she has the chops to like take on something so large. But I just I from what I have heard, I haven't read too many um, reviews in depth, but I'm hearing that Florence Pugh is actually quite good in it. And so it's disappointing because this really could have been a good vehicle for her and her career. But now it's just sort of muddled with all this like behind the scenes drama. I find it interesting that you've always said that you don't know if she could take it on as a second vehicle because you've never said that about a man. But who do I know of like... I mean, someone like Denis Villeneuve did Prisoners, for instance. That's not his second film that he's ever done. It was his second like major film after he did Polytechnique. Yeah, but that wasn't as like focused on his career. What do you mean? Like I wasn't... You weren't as like acutely I wasn't like, acutely his. aware of him making his second... Like it's a big deal for Olivia Wilde because one, she is a woman. That's why it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And two, like I've seen Booksmart and she's going from being this actress, a well-known actress into directing. Like it's a bigger deal to me. It is, but she proved herself with Booksmart, no? Yeah, she did. I just... When I saw it, I was like, I don't know from what I know of her because what I know is like what the media has shown me all these years but also like the oc i don't know i don't know what she's capable of but if you just base that opinion on book smart because fine all of that other stuff and like olivia wilde was never like a great actress she was never like anything she's arguably turning into a more formidable director mm-hmm. book smart is very different from what this movie looks like what it's going to be though like it's a it feels like a big jump to me to go from something that's like kind of a teen movie that's really well done to something that's on a larger scale. But still, even as a teen movie, Booksmart takes, she takes choices. She makes some pretty daring choices. She like, even within the realm of it being a teen comedy, she, the reason it's so good is largely because of her direction. But it's so much more pedestrian than something what I think they're trying to reach here. Like it doesn't have the... The intellect in Booksmart doesn't seem as far-reaching as it does for Don't Worry Darlings. Like, Don't Worry Darlings is trying to tell me that she's really trying to say something here. Which is interesting, because have you read any of the reviews? No, I haven't. They're arguably saying the exact opposite. That Don't Worry Darlings winds up being pedestrian? Pedestrian, because Because she's not capable of doing something at that large of a scale. I don't think that's necessarily it. I've heard that the screenplay is pretty weak. I've heard that the screenplay is really just like a... Stepford Wives without mm-hmm. the like sci-fi horror quotient to it and that's all it is it's essentially like a, 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 like a more drama version of that but that the in the end it just ends up telling you oh the patriarchy is bad but to me so like but something like Booksmart which talks about like girls growing up mm-hmm. that perspective makes sense in something that feels like a teen movie that feels like something that it's more pedestrian this to me from the trailer i was like oh she's reaching for something here she's trying to like do something i don't know i feel like her approach would have been better in something similar to Booksmart. interesting that's more toned down in oh. a way i don't know i really i really like Booksmart, and i th- i think as a director she should she should be experimenting. She should be trying things and she should be working beyond her. Like that's somewhat like, again, and I would not say to, it if she was a guy too. No, and that's fair, but not to belabor the Denis Villeneuve of it all, but that's kind of how you go from directing Polytechnique to directing Dune, right? He took steps. He's every, he, he did like a staircase. He slowly built up his, mm-hmm. his filmography to get to a point where he could direct Dune. 
Otherwise, like, it's not like he's going from Polytechnic to Dune and you're just kind of like, this feels like a stretch. But then there's people like, I mean, Chloe Zhao did it when she she's done like small scale stuff. Her last movie was Nomadland and then she directed The Eternals. Mm-hmm. That's a huge jump, right? That's an even bigger jump, arguably. And not that I'm like defending Olivia Wilde here for anything. I'm just saying that like, I think as a director, she should, I think it's great actually that she's trying. Whether she succeeds or not, I don't know. But I think for me, at least it was, I think it's nice that she's trying to put herself out there. And that I think is the mark of someone who is going to be a good director. Now, back to your drama. The quality could be suffering because of her relationship with Harry Styles, arguably. But a lot of this is conjecture too, right? Like, we don't actually know what happened. And these claims that, like, Florence Pugh had to take over on set, I don't know if I necessarily buy that. Those were the rumors, man. I can't help that. I know you can't help it. And (laughs) you didn't make them up. But I find them a little hard to believe because they almost are, like, created by people who don't understand how film sets work. Like, if Olivia Wilde is on set and Florence Pugh is there, she can't just step in and be like, this is how we're going to direct the scene. I don't know if it was more of that or more of, like, getting the ball rolling on things. I don't... That was, It was rumors that I saw. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. And I think yeah. that, like, the rumors become really irresponsible. And, like, obviously where there's smoke, there's fire. So the rumors are coming from somewhere. And Florence Pugh's own personal reaction is not helping... Like set the tone. Which I think of tells you a lot, though. It tells you a lot because though, that she something is, is good brewing. at promoting her her own movies. Yeah, and it, she it's has a contractual been... obligation usually. Yeah. So for her to flat out be like, "I'm not doing this," it probably means she's losing money in order to do it. Yeah. So that's big. The other part of it, though, is that now people are saying her boyfriend at the time was Zach Braff, Florence yeah. Pugh's boyfriend, and he was friends with Jason, or is friends with Jason Sudeikis, Jason Sudeikis. and so that's why she was, like, upset about it. But Oh, I hope that's not it. I, I want to give her more credit I than that. I think Florence Pugh is much more uh, yeah. capable than that. Yeah, much more independent-minded than that. Yeah. The uh, last thing I want to say before we should be moving on is the spit. The spit. Oh, yeah, the spit. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard, but there have, like, Chris Pine's people have come out and said, like, that absolutely did not happen. Okay. But I saw the video, too. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like he... It looks like he spit. He spit. And then Chris Pine had a reaction. And some people are saying that, like, Chris Pine, um, his sunglasses were, like, in his lap. And Mm -hmm. so people are saying, like, oh, he, like, forgot where his sunglasses was, looked down and realized they were there, and then grabbed them. I don't buy that. No, no, no. He looked down and saw that something happened. (laughs) His face wasn't, like, it wasn't a face of, like, thinking. It was a face of, like, what the hell? What the hell? Did that just happen? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And also, have you seen the clip of them being interviewed together? Oh, you mean, like, that this is a movie? This is a movie. And it's nice to be in a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I he's just an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't call Harry Styles an idiot. I think he's really musically talented. Sure. Yeah. I don't think this is the right realm for him. <laughs> he comes off as a bimbo, though. I'm bimbo. sure he, he is musically tambulated. And I don't I don't like his music, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. But he comes off as a, as a big bimbo. He knows what he's selling, too, though. Like, I think he's much more strategic than we realize. But I don't oh, yeah. I think maybe this is just, again, beyond his reach. I just, I don't understand the his recast. Like, I wouldn't think who's, like, somebody similar, similar, like, tone to Shia, Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Yeah. I'm not going to go with Harry Well, who Styles. would you have recast, then? Last question before we move on. <laughs> I need to, like, look at young men. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's, Young, like, skinny, white men. <laughs> young, skinny, white men, basically. 
I think it would be interesting to see something like a Nicholas Holt. Okay. Yeah. Or a Zac Efron even. No. No? He does not have the acting capabilities. More than Harry Styles. Neither of them do. That's what I'm saying. Like, Shia LaBeouf can act. Yeah. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf is kind of like a remains to be seen because he's hit and miss. But yes, at least he's proven himself. I think he has better acting chops than Zac Efron and Harry Styles. Zac Efron, there's something about Zac Efron that could work, though. But he's a little he older now, I think, too. I to be an actor, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> I think I Zac that. Efron just wants the paycheck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah. But speaking of paychecks? Yeah. I don't know. No, that has that's, nothing to do with that. That has nothing to do with it. But <laughs> this week... segue. <laughs> it was the worst segue. Sometimes my segues work. Sometimes they don't. There you go. But speaking of something that did work... Mm. There you go. There you go. This week we watched a movie. What? Yes, craziness. <laughs> what did we watch, Mita? We watched the uh, classic 1942 film Casablanca. 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 Let me give us a quick IMDb discro, oui, even oui. though I'm sure y'all have heard of Casa, but <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you the Blanca. A cynical expatriate American cafe owner struggles to decide whether or not to help his former lover and her fugitive husband escape the Nazis in French Morocco. What a description. What a succinct sentence. So succinct. It has all the things. <laughs> now, to riddle me this. I You've seen Casablanca, right? Multiple times, yes. I've seen it like maybe one or two times when I was younger. And when I was watching it this time... I completely forgot, like, the whole plot of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So it was all a mystery to you? Just, like, I never paid attention to the, like, the wartime aspects of it. And always had paid attention to the romantic aspects of it. Fair enough, yeah. And I was like, wait, what? This is about Nazis? (laughs) And and as an adult now, the wartime aspects are so much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This did not happen to you? No, because I actually watched it. I watched Casablanca for the first time. I I mentioned it a few weeks ago when I was doing my, like, let's watch a bunch of old classics. Yeah. And, like, Casablanca was one of the first ones I started with that kept me going. Oh, Because I remember watching it and being like, okay, it's Casablanca. It's an hour and 44. I guess I'll watch it. And then being like, oh, shit, that was great. It is. It really is. It really is. It really is great. It's just really great. It's a movie. It's um. It's gonna yeah. entertain you. <laughs> I'm going back to Harry Styles. <laughs> oh yeah, you didn't catch <laughs> okay, it. There we go. It's a movie. It's the kind of movie you can sit and watch. Yeah. Um. It's a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Harry, for those insightful words. Exactly. <laughs> but this actually really is like it. It's yeah. It's very. I think now it has that notion in pop culture, but mm-hmm. actually watching it, it is, it's kind of like Gone with the Wind in the way that it is very substantial. Like, you know yeah. you're in for something when you're watching this. It's not just going to be like another black and white film. Yeah. Yeah. It has a lot of prominence to it. It does. And I think one of the best reviews for Casablanca I read while I was just like in this week of Casablanca-ness, mm-hmm. someone said, don't sit down to watch Casablanca. Like, don't be like, tonight's the night I'm going to watch it. Yeah. One day, keep it on hand or rent it when it's like, you've got nothing else to watch and you're like, okay, I might as well watch a movie. Let's try Casablanca. Like, remove the hype around it. Yeah. Don't think you're going to be sitting down for the greatest film of all time. Because I will say, it's not the greatest film of all time, but it's a movie moment. 
Yeah, I think that that what they call the greatest film of all time. I think that's a it's a dumb thing. Like yeah. I don't think you can categorically say something is the greatest movie of all time. And I think we've proven that time and again with things like Citizen Kane and um, Gone with the Wind. Some people like things, some people don't. I think there is good movies and there's a lot of average and bad movies. And within that good realm, you pick and choose what you like and what connects with you. Mm-hmm. I do think Casablanca is, it's not what you expect it to be either because it kind of transcends its black and whiteness. Mm, yeah. Like it doesn't feel so much like you're watching a black and white movie all the time. And it feels like, there's so much going on in this movie and it never feels busy and it never feels, it's never boring. No, it's exciting from the get-go. Yeah, from the get-go. The plot is interesting. The characters are interesting. The setting is really interesting. Like everything about this is like in motion as a movie. And that's something you don't even get from a lot of movies these days. Like things feel stagnant. They don't have momentum. They don't have that life force to them as a movie and Casablanca is just like it's an entity what I like about it though it's a moment in time specifically like I guess when this was coming out the war was still occurring yeah and this is about the war so it's another one of those films like Mrs. Miniver where like I'm sure that's what captivated an audience but now watching it all these years later I'm still very captivated by this moment in history and like what's going on the spy work that's involved I couldn't tell you about refugees in Casablanca (laughs) like I didn't know that part of history and it's still very exciting it's not dated in any way and it's like it's been able to last all this time which is so hard to do which is so hard to do and i think why it's one of those it's untouchable as a film they call it i think there was i read in one of the trivias that apparently at one point madonna wanted to get this remade with ashton Ashton kutcher Kutcher, which (laughs) let's talk about that for a second about like what was she thinking I, that is the worst casting. He, it was probably at the height of like trucker hat Ashton Kutcher and he was hot. And Madonna likes things that are hot. But Madonna would have made a terrible Ilsa and yeah. he would, and Ashton Kutcher would have made a terrible Rick. Terrible. Just like... It's terrible casting. T- yeah. I don't even know. Like, and my favorite game to play is like, who would be the actor yes, today exactly. to play this role? I don't want to play that with this. I think you cannot get another Ingrid Berman and you cannot get another Humphrey Bogart. Like there's nobody. I mean, I'm sure John Hamm wants to be Humphrey Bogart, but like it's just not going to happen. There is nobody else who has that that star power. And I think it's amazing that this has remained. You haven't seen a remake of this. And again, when Madonna was taking this to studios, trying to get it remade, she was essentially told by everybody, you can't do this. You can't remake this. Did you also see that they wanted to do, in 2012, they were looking into um, having a sequel with, I guess we're already going into sequel prequel, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of all over the place today. But essentially, they, they don't explain this, but it's alleged that the two main characters did have inter intercourse. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to be so subtle. I feel bad talking about it in old movies because I feel like they wouldn't talk about it. They never the did, movies. yeah. Especially if you right? weren't married. The assumption was no one had sex. No one had sex. But apparently they did have sex the night that they met up. And so they wanted to do a sequel in which it was that the love child that was oh, okay. con- yeah, conceived from that, from the intercourse <laughs> years the later. Intercourse. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that movie would look like. But I feel like even that would be so terrible. Like, this is 
to me, this does remind me a lot of, why is the name blanking on me? Audrey Hepburn, Gregory Peck. Oh, Roman Holiday? Roman Holiday in that like they don't wind up together and it's kind yeah. of the perfect scenario for each of them. Like it doesn't make sense to me that these two people would wind up together and in love. So let me ask you then, because you remembered nothing. How did that, I remembered all of it. How did that feel as a experience then? I remember that they don't wind up together. Okay. I remember like the attraction between the two of them, but I could not tell you anything about what was happening with like wartime yeah. and that these were refugees who like are living in Casablanca and they're, I couldn't tell you about the letters. I couldn't tell you yeah. about like any of that. And I have to say like, it is a really interesting story and very mm -hmm. compelling, especially if you think about like living in 1943, watching this movie, this is what's like, this is the exciting part of war that people want to know about. Whereas mm -hmm. like last week we watched something where it's like it was very realistic and it was what yeah. people were probably living. And so that's probably what attracted it to them because there's a sense of like having that familiarity and having um, maybe something even cathartic to see yourself on screen. Yes. Whereas this is more like I'm living this hellhole of like wartime right now. Mm -hmm. This is what's like very attractive about war. This is kind of more compelling and like I'm interested in this because it is it is what is happening to me currently, but it's also still an adventure mm -hmm. and there's something to escape with what's going on. Yeah, because this is essentially it's a it's an it kind of has the feeling of like a a thriller, like a espionage espionage type like a, almost yeah. a film noir yeah exactly yeah. it has that kind of tone to it it has that it has that energy about it that it feels very mysterious and it doesn't feel stately the way war movies usually do mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's about it also i think one of the things that's really nice about this is it takes a stand like it turns the nazis into villains mm -hmm. whereas a lot of movies don't necessarily they're not sympathizing with nazis that's not it but essentially like the focus is more on the good yeah it's more on like either the holocaust portion of the world war ii or the people who were against it and working you know it wasn't about turning Nazis into villains. And that was kind of actually nice to see in a non-Quentin Tarantino film. Right? And, like, it's also one of those things you could take the scenario and put it during any wartime. You could have this during the Civil War. You could have yeah. this during the Cold War. You could have this, like, at any time. Mm -hmm. It's not just about World War II. And I think that's what's so attractive about it is that it is – it's so classic, but it's also, like, you can replace it with your own, your own viewpoints or what you're going through in the time. Like, we could technically make this today and have it be something about, like, Russia and the Ukraine. Yeah, there's probably a, a point. I think the difference is that I, I think people were escaping, like, concentration camps. And yeah. they were escaping, like, some real, real dire situations where, I mean, war is dire and people in Ukraine are living in a dire circumstance. But I think it was it's a little bit easier to get out. I do think that this is subtle, though, and, like, doesn't uh, emphasize that. Like, doesn't emphasize sort of the horror of what's going on. Yeah, you're just yeah. kind of meant to understood. You're just like, oh, they're in Casablanca. They're in Casablanca <laughs> and they left the war. They're escaping yeah. the war. And yeah. that's kind of it. And maybe retrospectively, the reason it works now is because we know so much of what happened during World War II. And so when they're talking about concentration camps and they're talking about escaping, like when you have that couple, for instance, from, was it Budapest? I think so. Something like that. You could tell they're obviously Jewish. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about that, but they're obviously Jewish and they're escaping like 
concentration camps and like gas chambers and like yeah. you know that watching it so you feel a lot more for it retrospectively but that's not the movie doing it to you that's your own awareness and your own education informing that and that's kind of amazing mm-hmm. that you're you know the movie itself your experience is informed by what you know but the movie isn't like putting anything on you it feels like the most like exciting history class yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah. Like, I could watch this in a history class, learn something, mm-hmm. although there were no letters of transit. No. <laughs> it did not exist as a thing. Shh, don't tell people. I know. <laughs> Let Casablanca be. But I do love that this movie gets away with that. They yeah. create something for the sake of, like, a plot device, and people are like, cool, man. That's movie magic. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to accept it, and I'm going to move on from it, because you buy into these letters of transit. It's interesting. That's all I have. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to think of other movies where that's happened, where it's like, there's no way that could be possible. My mind is blanking right now, though. But it's where it still works. A lot of it's a lot of actually. You know what? There's no way. Yeah, exactly. Wrote all these letters while she's on death's door. Yeah. she's supposed to be like, or the baby's born at that point, right? Well, she's written, she's, the assumption is she wrote them before she was dying. Like she had nine months Why to prepare. Why would she write them then? Because she knew she was dying. No, no, no. Don't they find out she's dying like as she's about to give birth? No, the doctor knew that she was going to die. Oh, okay. And she still wanted to have the baby <laughs> because Rahul wanted the baby. Right. Yes. yes. So okay. she did have time to prepare to write these letters, but. But how is she to know that her eight-year-old kid is going to be yes. able to track down. Yeah. Eight-year-olds are dumb, so... (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Anjali did it. Anjali did it. But you're right, and you totally buy it. Yeah. And largely, a lot of these things also happen in, like... To my mind, it's like Ocean's Eleven, for instance. Ocean's Eleven, wildly entertaining film. Probably Steven Soderbergh's best. But there's a lot of stuff that, when you sit down (laughs) and think about it, you're like... Is it None bad that I still buy it? I buy it. I know <laughs> I know those 11 men could get together and get this done. I knew buy, they thought ahead to dress up as a SWAT team. <laughs> yeah. But that's movie magic, right? Yeah. That's what it is. Like it is, you buy it because you want to. And it's, it's believable because of how it's made. Mm-hmm. Other times you watch other movies and you're, you're not, you're not as deep invested into it. So you don't care. Yeah. And so you're, it's easier to pull it apart. That's fair. This just doesn't have that. This is, it's, you don't want to pull it apart. Especially because I think you have these characters, except for Victor Laszlo, Ilsa and Rick are kind of like gray. These are not like white characters who are, she had an affair while she was married. He is, he's escaped America and we don't know what he's done, but he's, he's not allowed to go back. He's done something bad that he can't go back. Exactly. And these yeah. people are not like, they're not perfect people. Mm-hmm. They feel very like humanistic and real and their decisions feel real. And, you no buy one's putting what, them on a pedestal. No one is putting them on a pedestal. The only person on a pedestal is Victor Laszlo. Because he's going to make a difference. Because he's going to make a difference. And that's the, uh, that's the other thing about it is that retrospectively, you buy into it because you feel like someone needs to make a difference in this terrible war there's kind also, of thing. There's that sense of morality of also like in that specific time, I'm sure they wanted to give people like Mrs. Miniver a message of hope of like, here's this yes. person who is on this pedestal. He's going to make a difference. He's yes. going to help end this war. Let's yeah. make sure he gets his girl in the end. He gets on the plane in the end. Like he gets taken care of. And that's why it never feels sad. 
Mm-hmm. The end of Casablanca doesn't feel sad, even though they don't end up together. Because it's justice. It's justice. It's <laughs> yeah. the right thing to do. And we all recognize that. Yeah. Everyone's doing the right thing here. And I love justice. <laughs> I'm being just. Mita's a big fan of the justice. I love law and order. So you said at the beginning that this isn't the greatest film of all time. Where's that coming from? I think if you... I think this movie is really well made, but if you look at aspects of the script or even dialogue, let's say, like something like Here's Looking at You, Kid, without Humphrey Bogart saying that, this could be exceptionally cheesy. This could be really, really cheesy. And I think they kind of had the perfect combination here with Humphrey and Ingrid. And then also direction is just really well done in this as well. And the way the sets are, like, visually it makes sense. But I think in the wrong hands, this is really bad. And I think a lot of people felt that way when they were making it, too. At least Mm. that's what IMDb Trivia told me. Yes, that's what IMDb (laughs) Trivia said. Yeah. (laughs) Including Henry Borgard and Ingrid Bergman. Who were like, they're like, this isn't going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. But it was. But it was. But you have seen it. And so you know that it did work. I know that it did work, but I, I don't know if I would put this in the category of like, actually, mm, well, I don't know if this is the, the greatest movie. I haven't seen all the movies. Again, that's such a hard, <laughs> a hard question to answer. Is this like one of the greatest movies? You need to go see all the movies. I need to watch all of them to be all able to answer them. that question. I'm giving you till the end of the year to watch all the movies <laughs> all and then get back to me about whether this is the greatest one. I want to watch all of the great like romantic films of its time okay. because I also think it's such a that's such a broad statement to make about any movie like even my favorite movies like Zodiac or Silence of the Lambs like I'm not going to say they're the greatest movie of all time because you just love them yeah I just love them that's me meet that right but like it's such a broad statement and it's kind of, I'm learning that I really hate it because it's so you can't you just can't say something is the greatest because uh-uh. somebody is going to have some sort of objective opinion to that. Of course. And there's no like general consensus of this is what makes something the greatest movie of all time. I will say of all the romantic films that I have, have watched and of all wartime films that I have watched, this is one of the greats. I think that's so interesting because I don't see this as a romantic film. Like, even watching it, I just watched it. Retrospectively, I don't feel it was a romantic film. But having just watched it, I see it as a drama. As a, like, a drama thriller more than I see it as a romance. Romantic I think a romance drama? is kind of the, yeah, the romance is kind of a byproduct. It's on all those lists, though. That's how I, I learned about it when I was younger, was, like, I wanted to watch, like, romance films. And this was one of the few that I that actually stood out to me and was like, oh, this is actually nice. It's the idea of them not getting together, though, is what I've always kind of said is what's best about it. Because it made sense for yeah. the two of them. But, and then, but then to read the reason why they decided not to was because morally it would be corrupt for her yeah. to, like, to leave her husband and yeah. have an affair. And that kind of disgusted me (laughs) (laughs) the moral police like let her have an affair i mean fact is she had an affair right and like we know she had sex and we know that like she she was ready to shack up with this guy if victor laszlo if he has actually been dead like she had originally assumed he was which was the only reason they were allowed to get past censors was because he 
when she initially is with Rick, she thought her she, husband she was She assumes dead. he's dead, yeah. Yeah. And then she has to leave him when she finds out he's alive. Yeah. But again, this is also, like you're saying, this is one of those movies where everything kind of just lines up, Mm -hmm. right? Like the acting and the dialogue and the direction and even those like weird coincidences, they don't feel like um, intrusion. Like it doesn't feel like censorship got in there and was just like, you can't do this, you can't do that. It kind of just works with the movie. And I think that's why this movie rises above the rest. Like I think that's why the longevity of it and the the how we look back on it is so mm-hmm. fondly it does have that gone with the wind kind of quality about it where it is it feels like you're watching something timeless it's a product of the past the present and tomorrow yeah yeah i really enjoyed it <laughs> i really enjoyed it too but how does it compare to something like gone with the wind for you oh interesting um hmm. I think Gone with the Wind has more stature to it. Uh-huh. Like it feels more of both of these films are like an event in themselves. Uh-huh. But I feel like Gone with the Wind is just that much more. And that's possibly just because of running the time. Lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Gone with the Wind is four four, four hours. Yeah. This is an hour and forty two minutes, and this is perfect. It's perfect length. Aspiring filmmakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the length of a film that you need. Yeah. And it's also it's I got to about maybe like the last 10 minutes or so and I was disappointed. I was like, oh, yes. I want it to continue. Yeah. I want to I want to see more. I don't want to be in this world a little bit longer. Exactly. Yeah. Which is just so lovely. I think if I'm going to come like, are you asking me which do I prefer Gone with the Wind or Casablanca? I think I'm asking. So of the movies we've watched so far, these are the most prominent names on yes. that list so far. They're the most notable and not just at the time, but presently, they're still the most notable. Mm-hmm. So how do they compare in terms of two Best Picture winners that have standed the test of time, but are very different? Very different. Yeah. But also the same. Because <laughs> um, they don't wind up together. Um, oh, was, yeah, I guess. I think I... Gone with the Wind stands out to me, especially today, because I... When I had watched it previously, I never quite understood, like, the impact it could have on, like, a woman. And to see someone like Scarlett O'Hara, who is an unlikable woman, kind of go through the four hours of this Mm -hmm. film. But come up triumphantly and go Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, she took care of Tara. She always wanted to be in Tara and, like, wanted it to grow into something. And she did what she had to. Mm -hmm. She, you know... Uh, granted like i don't think she's kind of a bitch but like yeah. she she did what she had to and i think that that especially today we don't get a lot of female characters like that like we don't get to see them grow in that way and so for me like that has such a significant importance to it culturally and so i feel like that stands out to me as a best picture but i do think like they're on par of having this like this like moment in film history they're about two different times completely mm-hmm. Um, but they have a lot of that stature. Yeah. Yeah. I also think, I think one thing we talked about with Gone with the Wind was about it's how it looks back, how how when you watch it now about the diversity and about its treatment of black people and slavery and all of that. Casablanca is, is quite diverse, actually, as a film. Yeah. There's a black character in it. You have, even as background actors, you have a lot of people of different cultures. A lot of the people who are meant to be Moroccan, there mm-hmm. are p- 
people of color in the film. So it feels also, I think when you watch it, it doesn't feel dated in terms of that. In terms of race relations, in terms of diversity, it feels like a movie that would be made today exactly the same. Yeah. I didn't see anything that stood out that would be... I guess then if the question is like... Because when we did talk about Gone with the Wind, we spoke about how if it was made today, it would Mm -hmm. be made so differently. Yeah. But I... I don't think this would be made differently. But I don't think we need to be asking that question. We should not be remaking this. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I just mean in general, like, I know I ask it all the time, like, if this was going to be remade today. But I think in general, like, what we, I'm starting to learn, like, I just kind of want to leave things where they Mm -hmm. are. I don't want to revisit them. Because as much as I love TikTok and Gen Z, (laughs) or wait, which, which generation is this? X Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. That's what I love Gen Z and their wokeness. Big fan. Yeah. Sometimes I think they need to learn to appreciate where we've come from. I think there are so Sometimes. much. Hmm? Sometimes. They need to. Period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they need to learn. Like they need to understand that they're that um, it's okay to make mistakes and you have to learn from them. And like I'm sure if you did make Gone with the Wind today, it would not look like that. But. That doesn't mean it wasn't great in its own time. I think I saw a clip. This is... Stay with me for a second. Okay. I saw a clip on YouTube. I never watched the Will and Grace reboot, but there's a clip I saw of Will telling about a young... He's dating some, like, younger gay guy. Yeah. And he's so comfortable in himself and confident in his sexuality and all of that. And he makes some comment to Will about how, like, he's still stuck in the Stone Ages and all of that. And Will very acutely says you're able to be free and you're able to be who you are because of the struggles that we went through. And you can't just be all woke and all like out in the world without acknowledging how hard it was to actually get there. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the same idea. It's easy to say we need to be more diverse and we need to do this and friends shouldn't be on TV and it should be like this should be canceled and that. But it's like the only reason you're able to have that opinion is because we've lived through the time to get here. Yeah, I agree with that. I do wholeheartedly. Have you heard what Lisa Kudrow said about friends recently? She She made some similar comment. Yeah. She was asked essentially like, what do you think about all the backlash that's been coming lately because like of the lack of diversity? And she basically said like um, the writers and creators of our show were all white people. Like I don't think they had the right to be telling those stories because they don't live that. that, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, if anything, it would be more offensive to have them try to say what was, like, the black woman's perspective of living in New York in her 20s. Yes, exactly. Because it would be very different from what Monica, Rachel, and Phoebe were living Absolutely. Like. 100%. Yeah. But also, that wasn't the story that Friends was trying to tell. No, and it doesn't have to. Six friends. Six friends who happen to be friends. white. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, you can... I have six brown friends. That's nice. Right? I have more I... than six brown friends, for the record. <laughs> but I'm just saying that... <laughs> I also just want to say it's getting harder and harder when we watch these movies not to reflect on the current generation. We bring up Gen Z a lot. Yeah. Like it they're, comes they're up They're here. A lot. They're here. We're a part, <laughs> you know, they're here. here. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. And I think the more I watch these movies, I think I'm also be getting older and maybe my tolerance for that political correctness is just getting less and less and less. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm saying that we should be living in a politically incorrect world and doing wrong and all of that, but I also think that, like, we need to let sleeping dogs lie as well. 
And the more I watch, like, this is actually the wrong example as a film. Casablanca does it all right, and it does stand the test of time. Yeah. Because there's nothing about this that is offensive. I'm, like, secretly going back and being like, is there one thing? That I'm sure, uh, to be quite honest, I'm sure Gen Z would find something. I'm, oh, they I'm find not, everything. They find everything. And so I'm sure there is. But watching this right now, there was no blackface. There was no treatment of slaveries that was, like, misconstrued. There was nothing mm-hmm. like that. It just felt very authentic. There's a scene in Rick's bar where the camera pans and you hear people talking like different languages. There's someone talking, you know, Mandarin. There's someone talking in Italian and French and German and English. And it, it's obviously people speaking in Arabic. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of that. Yeah. So and this is a movie from 1942. And that mm-hmm. says a lot. Yeah. I'm going to try not to bring up Gen Z so much. But I think yeah. we need to stop with them. I think that's what they want. <laughs> that's what the terrorists want and the more we You're bring them up that's how they win them. yeah exactly do you have sequel prequel ideas <laughs> i actually don't i really really enjoy this for what it is yeah as much as i didn't want the movie to end i also like the way that it finishes off like it makes sense and in my mind the war ends because because in history it does it does um and it's all because of victor like he's all because of victor yeah all he victor. does it all <laughs> yeah i i mean i guess I guess I would like to see what happens between Louis and Rick and like, where does this beautiful friendship go? Yeah. That could be like an interesting movie to see. But actually, I don't think that would be in it. Nobody write that. Please don't write a spec script. No, don't write a spec <laughs> script. Yeah, this Just is a world that doesn't need to be revisited. Leave it as it is because this is a, it, it. it's great. It's just, it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's great as it is. Yep. Full stop, period. Yeah. I'm going to go into my rating. But wait. Oh, oh, oh. Mita has something to say. Because now it just popped into my mind. Okay. Would you watch a movie mm. that explores their time together more? Like the, her, the initial affair. Like, was there more that we didn't see? No. And that was actually something that I was thinking that there's a movie where you would have the same story with like mm-hmm. parallel running storylines. Yeah. A more modern movie would have a more intricate plot line. I think the more modern movie would start with them together and then cut to present, and then cut back to Yeah, like it would be two running storylines. It would be present in Casablanca, then we would flash back to see how they met, and like the back and forth of it, and both of them would climax at like the same time kind of idea. Yeah. Which is ironically very similar to a movie I wrote, but that's for another time. (laughs) But that's how I actually think the modern day movie would play out, and I think we spend the right amount of time on their history. We don't need to know, and this is what a lot of romances do wrong, is and this is why I actually also don't think it's a romance. We just need to know they met each other, that they had an affair, and that she left. That's really the plot we're taking away from it. We're not supposed to really feel this like gargantuan romance that they had. Mm. We're not supposed yeah. to fall in love with their love. Yeah, that's fair. But I think that's what's so romantic about it. It's much more simplistic. realistic and simplistic in yeah. a way. Like I don't want these like i've said it before i'll say it again i don't want large gestures yeah i don't need large gestures yeah you don't need no we just need the simplicity of like we spend time together we enjoyed each other's company and we have amazing chemistry yeah it's very before sunrise oh <laughs> right that that is the idea yeah right? that oh my gosh yeah <laughs> that, that is casablanca it. is the original before sunrise <laughs> link later exactly <laughs> yeah okay can i go into my rating now well, yes, but first you have to answer, does this deserve best picture? No. Oh, yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were asking, 
No, I don't think I want to. I don't want a movie that explores just okay, the romance. Yeah, I don't need okay. to see that. And we do have Before Sunrise if we want an idea. But in Before Sunrise, you are meant to fall in love with their love story. That's the prime difference. Here, you're really not meant to. And I think what this does and creates an insular world, it bookends it perfectly. I, if I ever want to return to it, I'll return to Casablanca. I don't need to return to like Casablanca 2, Cotton, the romance, kind of whatever, <laughs> whatever it would be called. Casablanca 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it is. I don't need to see that. Yeah. This absolutely deserves best picture. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I think actually this is the year where we go back down to five movies. Oh, no, it isn't. No, it's We're not. still at Do 10. Do you want to we- know? Yes. Um, so Heaven Can Wait, which yes, I've heard can. of. Madam Curie. The More the Merrier, The Song of Bernadette, Watch on the Rhine, um, The Oxbow Incident, The Human Comedy, In Which We Serve, and For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah, I've heard of like three of these. But yeah. And again, the fact that Casablanca, Casablanca is kind of like Citizen Kane in that way is that I think interestingly enough, Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture, but it has standed the test of time for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Casablanca just happened to win Best Picture and has stood the test of time. And the fact that it stood the test of time indicates that it did deserve Best Picture. It, mm. the, this is this was like classic filmmaking. It was, it's so interesting because the way I said in the beginning, when you watch Casablanca, don't think you're watching some great movie. Just settle in to watch a movie. Yeah, and then you'll experience it. And that's I think how Casablanca was made. They didn't try to make a great movie. It they just tried to do some like random. I read they. It was just a bunch of writers who were on contract who were just throwing out scripts. Like they had to do like one every two months or something. And this was just one of them. And they happened to write this and it turned into this. Yeah. That's so crazy to think that like one of the one at one, what is regarded as one of the greatest movies ever made was just, it was just a script on a table. Mm -hmm. It wasn't meant to be Avatar because Avatar (laughs) is meant to be Avatar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Avatar is... so much purpose put into like, let's make the best movie of all time. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's trying to be. And Casablanca isn't. And the simplicity of it and the simplicity of the storytelling and the acting, that's why it's so great. Because at the end of the day, good movies are about good stories. Mm -hmm. Not everything else is just extra. And this is such an interesting story. It's also, it's a fun story to watch. Yeah. How are they going to get out? Are they going to get in? It has such memorable scenes. Like when he helps that married couple um, get the money so that they can get the visa. You're, you, you're like cheering along when they have them sing uh, Le Marseille over the Third Reich singing that German song. You feel like you feel the things you're meant to feel. You laugh when you're meant to laugh. You're invested when you're meant to invest. It takes you on that emotional roller coaster the way few movies really can. It's impeccably acted and written and directed the dialogue while cheesy overall totally works because of the performances and the direction and again Mita's list of quotes was like huge and all of them were like notable they were all things that like we've all heard over and over again I forgot how many things from this movie are quotable yeah me too I I, like it wasn't just the last line there's like seven or eight lines throughout this that you're like oh I've heard that oh I've heard that oh I've heard that again so it's just like it just it stands the test of time and I really like it and I f- it's one of those movies that, like, whenever I watch it, whenever I return to it, I always just walk away feeling like, that was a good movie. And this was just it. It was just a solid, solid film that deserved Best Picture and is getting four stars from me. There you go. Yeah. I love that. Mita Sampat's yeah. turn. 
I would like to sum up my review by four words. Mm-hmm. Those four words are, we'll always have Casablanca. Oh. <laughs> Did you like that? I like that. Somebody must have done that before. Yeah. But literally, like this could so easily be wrong. But all the right parts are in the right spot for this one. And like you said, like it came together as sort of this jumble of like, oh, we got to make a movie. Let's just like do this. This could so easily go wrong. But like everything worked in this in this film. And it's also it's so universal because it transcends time. You can watch it in the 1940s. I'm sure you can watch this in 2055 and still think that it's a really great film. But it's also such a stamp in time as well. Like the way the characters are talking. Humphrey Mm -hmm. Bogart himself is this like character that you don't see anymore of this like kind of rough guy who's still like very attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who is sort of like, I think people try to do character characters character is similar to his of like he's a man who's been hurt by love and now he Mm -hmm. can't love anybody or trust anybody or talk to anyone and he's sort of just sort of guarded in that way but Mm -hmm. he does it in such a like a delightful way in that you're not like disgusted like the modern day character of this would just be sleeping around with everybody oh my god yes he'd be such a man whore he'd be such a man whore he'd be so jaded and it wouldn't be like anything there wouldn't be very likable qualities about him but rick's not like that rick is just a man you know yeah but i i do really see it as like one of the greater romantic films i know we're not supposed to harp on their romance together but i think that that's what's so delightful about this Mm -hmm. is that you Get the understanding that these two people want to be together. They they yearn for each other, but circumstance has it that they can't be. And so often in life, that is literally how it is. It's uh-huh. just like you have to do what you believe is right uh-huh. for the moral good. If she doesn't stay with her husband, the war won't end. <laughs> it's it just, just won't. Simple, it just won't end. It'll just keep going on. And uh-huh. if they are together, the war will still go on. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just it's just so lovely and it's just a nice film that isn't grand like it has such a presence but it's not trying hard, which mm-hmm. I think is so rare to find because I think when we look back at like the list that we have seen, there are a lot that I feel like they really tried to do something. <sighs> They're trying so hard. You can sense that. And in yep. this one it's just like, nah, we're just going to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Have a taste. And it's wound up being, you know what? I'm going to say it. It's one of the greatest films of all time. (laughs) I like how you disproved your own thesis. (laughs) I think it's one of the greatest romantic films. That's how I see it. I see it as a romance film um, because that's how it made its first impression on me. Mm -hmm. And I think I enjoyed it when I saw it years ago. But I also think when you see this for the first time, it will make an impression. I think that's what's going to sit with you. Had I watched this, like maybe now I would have thought of it as more of a thriller and more Mm -hmm. of like a spy film. And I think what's interesting is like you see it that way. My dad sees it as more of a thriller and like a spy film. But I see it as like this romantic film because that was the notion I went in with it. And um, it's just it's delightful. And we're always going to have it because it's it's you know what? It's perfect for itself. And for that, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Ooh, Mitha. Like really close to five. You almost, But that's higher than Gone with the Wind. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> because here's the thing. Gone with the Wind is four hours long. <laughs> Casablanca is one hour and 42 minutes or whatnot. Yeah. 
that so length you, really went a long way with me though it it really does though because i think there are things from gone with the wind you could cut and it yeah. would still make for a very strong film i don't know if any movie needs to be four hours long other than gangs of wasipur which was five and a half hours long yeah. <laughs> but you know what, though, with Casablanca 2, though, like if this was two hours, like let's say they added an mm-hmm. extra 20 minutes, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah. Provided think... it had the same like energy and the same tone of everything. Yeah. I could totally keep going. There you go. I agree. But yeah, great movie. And currently our highest ranked. There you go. Casablanca. Casablancs. But yeah, no, I was, that was a pleasure to watch. It was. It was so nice. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed watching They have it. a really good chemistry, too. They have really good chemistry. Like, everyone in this has good chemistry. Not yeah, just, even Sam. Yeah, even Sam. Even, like, Victor Laszlo, Carl. Like, all the actors have great chemistry together. Louis. Louis. It would yeah. win Best Cast all the, the Screen Actress. Yeah, killed. except it didn't, but okay. <laughs> well, it didn't exist at the time, but... <laughs> Who was in it? Who did win? I just want Nothing. To... It didn't exist at the time. Wait, what? Screen Actors Guild Awards didn't exist. Oh, I thought you meant, sorry, I misheard you. And I thought Uh you meant like all the best actor and best. No, it actually didn't win any best actor acting awards, which is interesting. She was nominated. Was she? I don't think she was. She was and he 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 was. was. Yeah, Yeah. both were. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, she was not nominated nominated. for Casablanca. She was nominated for For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yes. Ingrid. She got two big movies in one year. All right, folks. That was Casablanca. Oui, oui. And before we get to our next movie, Mita, we got a game. Oh. So, yes. You had me last week connect Blake Lively's The Shallows mm-hmm. to The Royal Tenenbaums. And so this week, I'm going to have you connect The Royal Tenenbaums yeah. to one of your favorite films. Oh. Palm Springs. <laughs> and your okay. timer starts... Now, Palm Springs. Okay. Um, the Royal Tenenbaums has Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Who is in the Spider-Man movie with mm-hmm. Tom Holland, who mm-hmm. is also in Spider-Man No Way Home, which has J.K. Simmons in it, who is okay. in Palm Springs. There you go. 30 seconds. There's there one easier way. What's the easier way? The Royal Tenenbaums is narrated by one Alec Baldwin. Okay. Who appeared in a little show, I'm not sure if you've heard of, called 30 Rock. No. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he's in that. Oh. He's okay in it. There you go. Which uh, Christine Malati did a guest appearance as in as Abby Flynn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. And it has She's one of my favorite lines. She's the female writer that, like, yeah. okay. I'm okay. a really sexy baby. One of my favorite lines and favorite delivery of said line. And you always make fun of me for liking her. And <laughs> yeah, she has I one do. of your favorite lines in 30 she Rock. She one of my favorite lines. But yeah, yeah, but good job. You still got it. Yay. Good for you, Mita. But next week, I'm going to have to connect Palm Springs to something and we'll see what that's like. I love Palm Springs. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> that is another really good romantic movie. That is a ro- all out romance, though. Like the whole thing is a romance? Like it's a romantic no. film. Yeah, it's a rom-com. Yeah, it's a rom-com. It's got rom and it's com. It's got com. <laughs> but next week, Mita, mm. what are we watching? Next week, we are watching a film I've never heard of called <laughs> Going My Way. Going My Way. Which... You can go your own way. This is the first year where it goes down to five. 
dominations. Does it go? Does it stay that way up until the, like, up until 2000s? the two thousands? Yep. Whoa, that's yeah. gonna be nice for my Instagram feed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's gonna be good. Save because we were time. five. We were th- we were five for like three years. Cimarron was five, and then Grand Hotel we started to increase, and then we go back down to five all the way until. Let's actually see the year. Wow, two thousand and nine. Yeah, I remember that. It was a, a big deal when they had It's a big the deal at the time. But the rule right now is that it doesn't have to be 10, but the max be, is 10. It's between and 5 and 10. Okay. Based on the preferential ballot system. Interesting. But yes, we're watching a movie called Going My Way. Uh, it's a musical, apparently. Oh! Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll find out, because it beat two very big films, in my opinion. Did it? I yes. haven't looked yet. Oh, you're so ahead of me. I am. But okay. we'll talk about all of that next week. Nita, do you have parting words for us? Yes, Nadim, I do. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. There you go. So many great lines to choose from, truly. Also so many misquoted. Most misquoted, yes, (laughs) absolutely. So many misquoted. He does not say play it again, Sam. They just say play it, Sam. Sam. And it's really aggressive, actually. Play it, Sam. Yeah. (laughs) You got two quotes for you. Somebody better pay me some money. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for Going My Way. Yay! Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the number two watch pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.